If you have your Bibles there, um, I want to bring a message. This is called the principle of first um, in line with what Pastor Robert has been speaking on and will be speaking on. But I want to talk to you about when God works in our lives, there's always something he does first. And the thing that God does first is he gives us vision. If you have your Bibles there, if you'll turn to Proverbs chapter 29, that's where I want to begin about the importance of vision in our lives. This series, I did this series in Amarillo last year, uh, and the series was called Through the Eyes of God, and it was talking about vision. Vision literally means being able to see ourselves, being able to see others, being able to see the world around us through the eyes of God. And it is a special ability that believers have. Non-believers don't have this ability. No other religion in the world has the ability to see everything through the eyes of God. Proverbs 29.18 says, Where there is no revelation, some of your Bibles says vision. Where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. That means two things. One is they fall into sin. The other thing it means you can't keep them together. They'll never be unified in doing anything. Where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint... But happy is he who keeps the law. Happy is the person who does what the Lord shows them to do. Revelation. The ability to see beyond the scene. You know, the Bible says that we don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. Did you know that a believer's life, the Bible says, Hebrews eleven six, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Faith means I'm acting on something that I cannot see in the natural realm. It's beyond the natural realm. It's the spiritual realm. But the way that I'm able to see it is God puts me in touch with it. And here is the principle of first in our lives. Everything that God does, He does by beginning with vision. Now, let me give you a paraphrase, by the way, of Proverbs 29:18. This is my paraphrase. Where there is no capacity to see beyond the natural realm, people lack the ability to restrain their sin natures and to stay dedicated and unified in doing God's will for their lives. In other words, you'll never be able to live the way that God wants you to live until you have the ability to see the way that God wants you to see. And so I want to show you this principle throughout Scripture. And let me begin by saying this. This is something we all understand. Our God is a God of light, but the devil is a devil of darkness. And any time the devil does something in your life, he'll deceive you. He'll confuse you. He'll turn the light out because he's a he's the prince of darkness. But every time that God does something, he begins by turning on the light and giving us understanding and wisdom, just like the Bible says, Revelation. This is Genesis chapter 1 at the very, very beginning of the Bible. Verse 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. When God created the earth and everything that we see, the first thing he did was turn on the light. But he didn't do it for his sake. Because the Bible says darkness and light are alike to God. God is not in the dark when things are dark. God can see anywhere that he goes. But God turned on the light for our sake, to show us every time he works, all through the Bible, he begins by turning on the light. This is Genesis 1, again, beginning in verse 26. 
Then God said, let us make man in our image. By the way, this is plural because this is God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit speaking to one another. Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God made man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that lives on the earth. There are two people on the earth. On the earth right now, there are over six billion people. But there were only two people on the earth. And God came to Adam and Eve and said, I want you to fill the whole earth. I want you to subdue the whole earth. I want you to bring it under my dominion. His purpose for their lives was for them. And remember, they would have never died. They had provisional immortality. If Adam and Eve would not have sinned, they'd be alive today and as healthy as they were back then. Remember, God said, in the day that you sin, you'll die. And so God intended for this couple to fill the entire earth. He showed them the end from the beginning. That's what revelation is. Revelation is the ability to see beyond what you can see in the natural and beyond now into the spiritual and into the future. It's the ability to see beyond what our natural senses give us the ability to perceive. And God comes to Adam and Eve and He declares to them the end from the beginning. Isaiah 46, verse 9. I am God and there is no other. I am God. There is none like me declaring the end from the beginning. And from ancient times, things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. It's the nature of God. This is what vision is. He begins in our lives by showing us the end from the beginning. He wants to show us the future in advance. He wants to give us a vision for our lives. When I was 19 years old, I shared, I think the last time I preached here, I shared my testimony. I got saved when I was 19 years old. And I believe, and when I shared my testimony here, I, I ended right there. At 19 years old, when I got saved and what God did. Well, let me tell you what happened two weeks later. I got saved a week before Karen and I got married. And, I mean, I was rough as a cob, and I had never lived a day for God. And when I got saved, um, I, we went on our honeymoon, Colorado Springs, went on our honeymoon for three days. And we came back from our honeymoon, and I worked at Scrub-A-Dub Car Wash, uh, and I was upwardly mobile. And uh, I wiped off cars. I was in college, and I worked at Scrub-A-Dub Car Wash, and I never noticed how dirty of an environment it was morally until I got saved. And when I got saved and I came back off our honeymoon, I walked in there, and they talked the way I talked two weeks earlier, but it just it bothered me. And so I quit. Uh, three days after, or about a week after being married, I was unemployed, which was my in-law's worst nightmare. But anyway, I was <laughs> sitting at home, and I went home, and I, I'd given my life to God. And I was sitting in the backyard of our house, and I told the Lord, I'll follow you for the rest of my life. And I, I hadn't cussed in a couple of weeks, which was a big deal, and I still smoked. And I was sitting in the backyard of our house, hair down to here, Marlboro's right here. And I was reading a book. I'd never read the Bible. I didn't know where the book of Genesis was. I didn't know one scripture in the Bible. But I was reading a book that someone gave me, and I think it was a book from Billy Graham on angels, I think. But I was sitting there, never, you know, didn't know anything about God except that, you know, I love Jesus. And I was sitting there uh, reading this book, and it was like someone dropped a sheet down in front of me, and I saw myself from the back 
you know, an unusual perspective of yourself. I saw myself from the back preaching to a multitude of people. I had never in my life ever thought about me being a preacher. You know, convicted felon, you know, all kinds of other things, but never a, a preacher. And all of a sudden, in an instant of time, God showed me what I'm doing right now, 34 years later. God showed me my entire life when I was 19 years old. I didn't know the Bible. When I went to church and the preacher would say, turn to the book of whatever, I would cut my eyes over and pray that the person next to me knew where they were going. And I would just kind of look how far they turned, and I would kind of turn there. And I, I didn't know anything before when I still smoked, before I knew anything about God, and I didn't know one verse in the Bible, God showed me the rest of my life. You don't have to be that spiritual. You don't have to be perfect. You just have to be surrendered. And that's one thing I was. When I told God 34 years ago that I would follow Him for the rest of my life, I meant business. I'll follow you for the rest of my life. Let me show you what God did with Abram, not Abraham. This was before he was Abraham. Genesis chapter 12. The Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. This man was almost a 100 years old before he had a baby. It was a mockery. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. That's, that's mighty bold. You come to a guy that can't have children, and you tell him that you're going to make him into a nation, and every family of the earth will be blessed through him. Can I just tell you, through Jesus Christ, every family of the earth has been blessed. And he's Abraham's offspring. God came to Abram, and he showed him the end from the beginning. God says, I am not like other people. I am God. There is no other. I declare the end from the beginning. Well, let me tell you the reason God can declare the end, because he knows the end. The only person who can tell you the future is the person who controls it. And that's why our Bible is a unique book. Our Bible has, one-third of it is prophecy, the future in advance. Most of it relates to the time we're living in. That is unique to any other book on the earth. The reason that other gods can't tell the future is because other gods don't know the future. They don't control it. They're false gods. But our God knows the future. He knows the end of your life. He knows every person you'll ever meet, every opportunity that will ever come your way, every scheme the devil has against you. God is standing at the end of your life, looking back, smiling at you, saying, Child, trust me. Trust me. Let me give you a vision for the rest of your life. Let me give you a vision for something great, because He has a great vision for your life. It's the nature of God. It's the principle of first. When God begins to work, He turns on the light and He gives us revelation. This is Proverbs chapter 8, verse 1. Does not wisdom cry out? This is revelation. Does not wisdom cry out? And understanding lift her voice. She takes her stand on the top of the hill, beside the way where the paths meet. She cries out by the gates at the entry of the city, at the entrance of the doors. To you, O men, I call, and my voice is to the sons of men. Wisdom, spiritual revelation, calls out to us, asking us to respond. But let's pick it up at verse 22 and see what God does. This is about the Lord. The Lord possessed me at the beginning of His way. Now I want you to notice how many times the word before is in this uh, text. Before His works of old, I have been established from everlasting, from the beginning. Before there was an earth, 
Before there, uh, when there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no fountains of abounding with water, before the mountains were settled, before the hills, I was brought forth. While as yet he had not made the earth or the fields or the primeval dust of the world. When he prepared the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he established the clouds above, when he strengthened the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limits, so that the waters would not transgress his command. When he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him as a master craftsman, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him, rejoicing in his inhabited world, and my delight was with the sons of men. Now, therefore, listen to me, my children, for blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise, and do not disdain it. Blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at the post of my doors. For whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who sins against me wrongs his own soul, and all those who hate me love death. This is wisdom. This is vision. This is revelation. And it says here, come to me. I'm standing at the beginning of everything that you're doing, crying out to you. Listen to what I'm saying. And here's the incredible thing that we're told here. Even God would not do anything in all of creation when there was not even the primeval dust of the universe, wisdom said God consulted with me before He did anything. Let me ask you a question. If God does that, you think we ought to do that? If God won't act before He gets wisdom and revelation and has a vision for what He's about to do, we shouldn't do it either. By the way, here's what it says about Jesus. It says, John 5, verse 19, Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son of Man can do nothing of Himself but what He sees the Father do. For whatever He does, the Son also does in like manner. For the Father loves the Son and shows Him all the things that He Himself does, and He will show Him greater works than these that you might marvel. God follows His own advice. I showed you this is the principle of first. All through the Bible, when you see God working, what you see is... God shows revelation. God gives wisdom. God gives vision. And then He works. Here's what I'm saying to all of us. With your children, with your marriage, with your business, with your education, with everything that you do in your life, if you're going to succeed in doing it, you need to have wisdom and revelation from God. And He will give it to you. Acts chapter 2, and this is talking about the Holy Spirit coming Acts chapter 2, verse 15, These are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. It shall come to pass in the last day, says God, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. On my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my Spirit in those days. And they shall prophesy. You realize the first thing that's said about the Holy Spirit here is He gives us prophecy and vision and dreams. The ability to see beyond the natural. It's the nature of the Holy Spirit. You hear the other thing that it says? It's not for a few. It's for everybody. It's for men and it's for women. It's for everyone here. When the Holy Spirit comes, He's the Spirit of wisdom, the Spirit of vision, the Spirit of revelation. When He comes into our lives, His nature is to open our eyes, to give us dreams, to give us vision. What the devil does is he wants to put us in darkness. 
He doesn't want you to see the future. He doesn't want you to see God's will for your life. He, because here's what will happen if you do. These are the five virtues of vision. Here are the five reasons, the five benefits of having vision in our lives. And if you're asking yourself the question, do I have vision, here's how you can answer that question. Here are the five virtues of vision. Number one is clarity. When I get vision in my life, everything is very clear. The opposite of clarity is confusion. Satan is the author of confusion. But the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. there's There's no confusion. When I was growing up, uh, my personality, just like all of yours, I have a very you know, different personality. I know I'm ADD. There's no doubt about that. Uh, back in school, when I was growing up, they, didn't, they weren't able to diagnose those kind of things. They just sent you to the office and you know, got in a lot of trouble. So I was always in trouble. I was not a good student. I was smart. But it was very hard for me to sit in a chair and listen for a while. Very, very. very it was torture. And uh, I remember when I was growing up, I, had, I was the class clown. I liked to talk. Um, I liked all kinds of things. I liked music. I liked a lot of different things. And I kept thinking to myself, what would I ever do for the rest of my life that would fulfill all of the, the desires that I have? And when I went to college, I graduated early from high school, which they were very relieved. And, uh, but I, I got out of high school, and I went to Texas Tech. And when I went to Tech, I had to declare a major. And I remember sitting there thinking about what I was going to major in, thinking to myself, I have no idea. This is before I was saved. This is before I had a vision for preaching. I have absolutely no idea. And I chose business just because I knew whatever I do, I want to have money. But I remember thinking, I have no idea what I'm going to do. And when I was 19 years old and God came and gave me the vision for preaching, from that day forth, I've had absolute clarity about the rest of my life. I know what my life is about because God showed me. Let me tell you, in your mother's womb, God created you for a purpose. He's the only one who knows that purpose. No one else knows. When Jesus says in Matthew 11, My yoke is easy. Everyone who's heavy, you know, if you're weary and heavy laden, come to me. Take my yoke upon you. And he says, My yoke is easy. You know what the word easy means? Custom made. There's, there's one exactly for you. When you come to Jesus and you say, Lord, I surrender my life to you, Jesus doesn't have a one-size-fits-all. He doesn't put something on you that belongs to someone else. I, I ran the sound when I started uh, at our church. I was a member of our church before I was the pastor of our church, and I ran the sound. And I was back in the sound booth running the sound for a preacher, and I was thinking to myself when I was running the sound, I wish I was up there. I could preach better than him. I was about to mess with the sound, just make him sound bad or something, you know. I, but, and I was sitting there, and I was miserable, miserable. I was in the appliance business. I wanted to preach so bad I couldn't stand it. And the Lord had led me into the appliance business. And I was back there, and everything in me wanted to preach. And I remember a speaker came to our church named Campbell McAlpine, and he stood up in the pulpit, and he said this, If God gives you a desire to go to China, He won't leave you here. And if God gives you a desire to stay here, he won't send you to China. Because our God is a God who gives you a desire and fulfills it, not gives you a desire and frustrates it. And that's the reason a lot of people stay away from God, because they're afraid if they really surrender that God is going to make you do something that's uncomfortable. Oh, no, no, child of God, I'm telling you, when you come to God and you surrender your life to him and you say, God, tell me who I am, when he puts that thing on you, it fits perfectly. 
And what I do every day with my life right now, I love it. I love it. Every desire I have in me is fulfilled, not frustrated. And that's what happens when you come to Jesus. And you give Him your life and He gives you a vision. It gives you clarity and you know what you're living for. And the nature of vision is we don't know all the details. When God gives us a vision like He gave me at 19, you have to walk some things out. But the good thing is, at least you know where you're going. At least you know what the end looks like. And it's always exciting. Number two virtue of vision is energy. It gives you passion. Habakkuk 2.2 Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. Now, I love to preach. I mean, I just absolutely love to preach. Listen, you know where your call is, it's because it's what gives you life and it's what gives everybody else life. You know where you're not called because it doesn't give you life and you don't give people life when you're there. I love to preach. I love to write. I love television. I love everything that I get to do today. It gives me passion. But when you're not doing what God's will is for your life, you don't want to wake up in the morning. You lose your motivation for living. Life is mundane and life is boring. But never when you have God's vision. In fact, the clearer God's vision becomes. I have next to me this morning when I woke up and prayed and had my quiet time, I have next to me the vision of Trinity Fellowship Church, the vision of marriage today, and everything that God has said to me written down. And I pick it up on a regular basis and I read it. And the reason I read it is because it excites everything in me. The clearer the vision that God has for you becomes in your life, the more excited and passionate you become. But the more the devil turns the lights out, the more hopeless you become and the less you become motivated. And that's why, honestly, some people become so depressed and stay inside and draw the blinds and just stay there in a dark room and and life becomes real. And I feel sorry for, for that situation. But I'm telling you, there's an answer. And the answer is, let God give you a vision for your life and everything will change. It'll excite you. Number three. Virtue of vision is purity. You, you, you restrain yourself. Where there is no vision, the people cast off restraint. Why shouldn't I do that? Why shouldn't I sleep around? Why shouldn't I gamble? Why shouldn't I do all Why shouldn't I take drugs? Why shouldn't I do these things? I'll tell you why. Because when I live my life today, and you have a vision for your life, you don't want to waste it. You don't want to do things that put it at risk. I was playing golf one day, and I think this was with Mike Brisky, one of your pastors here. Mike was a tour professional and phenomenal golfer, and he's taught me a tremendous amount. And I was golfing with him one day, and my golf game, you know, is, is crazy. But there's nothing wrong with my golf game that a PGA professional and an exorcist couldn't cure. And I was playing golf one day with Mike, and I, I hit a shot, and it was, you know, dumb shot. And... And uh, so he was help, trying to help me. He's real sweet. He's real gentle. And, and he said, what's your swing thought? You know, I'm, I've, my swing thought changes moment by moment. But I said, well, Mike, you know, don't lift up your head. I said, I, I think that's my swing thought right now is don't lift up your head. And Mike just kind of shook his head, you know, and smiled and said, well, you know, I was reading this sports psychologist uh, the other day, and here's what he said. It's impossible to take a negative thought and turn it into a positive action. You cannot live your life with a bunch of don'ts and succeed. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't make that mistake. Don't go broke. Don't get a divorce. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. 
You have to have a vision of what's positive to make it happen. And he told me this. He said, a better thought is keep your head down. That's a positive thought. Give yourself positive thoughts because you can take positive thoughts and turn them into positive actions. When our life is pure, it means I'm not living my life based on negatives. I'm living my life based on a vision from God. Where I have vision, I can restrain myself because something is motivating me and my energies are being fueled in a positive way. Number four virtue of vision is unity. Where there is no vision, people are unrestrained. It means you can't keep them together doing what God wants them to do. They, they divide. By the way, the word division means division, two visions. A couple being divided. Karen and I got married and we had a very tough time and then God worked in our marriage and our marriage got dramatically better. But Pastor David Smith on your staff here, he's the one who taught Karen and I how to have a vision retreat. Karen and I were happy. We were as happy as any couple we knew except for David and Linda Smith. David Smith was the happiest husband I've ever met in my life. And every time I was with David, David's been one of my good friends for many years. Every time I was with David, you know, when you're with somebody and they run their wife down or they run their husband down, and, you know, that, that's not good. David was the opposite. Every time I was around David, he was talking about how great Linda was and how great this was. And it really it got sickening sometimes, honestly. It was just, you just want to say, be quiet, David, you're making me sick, you know. But... He, uh, we were in the back seat of a car one day, Pastor Tom and Clark Whitten and David and me, we were going golfing. And he was saying, Evans, Linda and I are going on our vision retreat. And I said, really, what's that? And he said, you don't, you don't do a vision retreat? He said, you're a marriage guy and you don't do a vision retreat? And I said, no. I said, what's that? He said, every year we go on a vision retreat. We take four or five days and get away. And in the mornings we wake up and we pray until God gives us a vision for each of our five children individually. We pray for each child individually until we believe for that year we know exactly what God's vision is for that child for that year. We pray for our finances. We pray for everything, every aspect of our lives. He says, Evans, you need to do it. It's great. Well, now we have a resource called the Mountaintop of Marriage that helps people to have a vision for their marriage. Karen and I went on our first vision retreat. We had a good marriage, but we had three areas that were causing us, you know, friction and frustration. Money. My schedule and our children. That's when our kids were still in the house growing up. We went on our vision retreat. If our marriage was here before our vision retreat, our marriage was here when we left. And if we were like this close before, we were like this afterwards. Vision unifies. It brings you together. Listen, two people's wills will battle when you don't have a vision. But when the Holy Spirit gives you a vision, it cements you together. It's what keeps a church like this together. It's what keeps a nation together. It's what keeps any group of people together going the right way. But when you don't have vision, you divide. That's division. Number five, virtue, a vision, is victory. You succeed. It's success. Let me tell you, God's will will always be blessed by God. Everything that God initiates, God energizes. When, when you begin, and by the way, if you've made mistakes in your marriage, with your children, with your business, with your ministry, he's, God's a forgiving God. He'll always come alongside you right where you are. But life is so much easier when you stop before you get into that relationship. When, when you're having that child, when you're starting that business, when you're starting that ministry, whatever it is, when you stop and you say, Lord, I surrender this to you. 
And Holy Spirit, come give us your vision for our marriage. Why did you put us together? Give us your vision for this business. Give us your vision for these things. He will. He loves to do that. He gives vision through His Word because His Word gives light. He gives vision by His Spirit. And whatever He tells you by His Spirit will always agree with His Word. Sometimes He gives vision by giving you a passion. A passion for a group of people. A passion for a nation. A passion for a certain cause. He speaks to us differently through our personalities and things like that. But when you get a vision from God, it will change your life. And the principle of God is... Whenever God starts, He turns on the light, declares the end from the beginning, and He gives us hope, and He gives us passion. That's the nature of our God. I want you to stand with me if you would.